Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to try out. Listen, I'm so glad to have you uh, today with us. I am in my leadership edition of the How to Win, and God has prepared me to help you, whether you are aspiring to become a leader someday, or you're in a new leadership role, or you're an experienced leader. Listen, I want to help you go to another level in your leadership. But listen, it's a journey. Leadership is not a destination. It's not an event. It is a journey, which means it's going to require some effort on your part, some time, some energy, some sacrifice, but I believe that you're willing to take the journey with me. I began a series some time ago entitled Leading Yourself. This is part three. Our background text is taken from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. It says, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both, both yourself and those who hear you. Leading yourself is our topic, and leading yourself is the first step to successfully leading others. This series has four parts. Part one is personal or self-awareness. Part two is personal integrity. Part three is personal discipline, and part four is personal growth. We've completed part one and part two, and we're going to begin today on part three of our series entitled Leading Yourself. And this part, part three, has to do with personal discipline. This is lesson one, and it's going to be great. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be empowered. You're going to be equipped. You're going to be motivated on this teaching about personal discipline. In fact, when I was meditating and studying this series, this part of the series, I was really challenged, really challenged, really challenged because great leaders who experience longevity in their careers void of scandal and other types of failure possess self-discipline. And I believe that's your goal. I believe it's your goal to be a great leader. I believe it's your goal to be a leader void of scandal, other types of failures is going to require self-discipline. And I want to introduce you to a man, the Apostle Paul, who lived a disciplined life, and he finished his course. He completed his assignment in the earth. And he speaks to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. I want to read it to you in the New King James Version. And by the way, these leadership principles are based off of biblical principles. 
in the Bible. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, But I discipline my body and bring my body into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Wow. I don't like that word disqualified. What about you? And if you've been with me any length of time, you know I love words, and I'm always looking up words. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, that the potential of him becoming disqualified was a reality. But he also indicates in the text the key to not being disqualified. But when we look at the word disqualified, it means to be declared ineligible. Ineligible to compete, ineligible to perform, ineligible to, to operate in a certain area or continue to participate in a certain area because one has done something wrong. I don't like that word disqualified. I don't want to be disqualified. And as a leader, we're going to see it's possible because the Apostle Paul was a leader. We can become disqualified, but he lists here the antidote, the solution to not being disqualified. He says, I discipline myself, self-discipline. So when we think about this word disqualification, we see it across different contexts. An employee, a worker, can disqualify him or herself because of substance abuse. Think about that for a moment. A driver, do you drive an automobile? Do you have a license to drive an automobile? Well, through multiple traffic violations or serious traffic violations, you can disqualify yourself uh, from driving. In a recent Winter Olympics, because athletes can become disqualified, in a recent Winter Olympics, five ski jumpers were disqualified because of wearing loosely fitted clothes. I don't like the word disqualified. How about you? But guess what? Leaders can become disqualified. Leaders can disqualify themselves through moral, moral failure. They can disqualify, disqualify themselves through ethical failure. They can disqualify themselves through relational failure. Recently in the news, there uh, has come to our attention and a U.S. congressman, a U.S. congressman who has admitted to fabricating and lying about his educational qualifications. He lied. He admitted to lying about where he went to high school, where he went to college, certain schools he graduated from, 
He lied to a judge about where he had worked. And this person is a U.S. congressman, a leader. And now people are protesting and challenging his leadership and really demanding that he resign. You see, leaders can uh, disqualify themselves. But thank God we got good news today that we can avoid disqualification through self-discipline. And here again, you know I like words. So I studied out this issue of self-discipline, and I've come up with three definitions. So what is self-discipline? And usually when I give several definitions, it's because I want to introduce you to several facets or several shades of meaning of the word. So what is self-discipline? Come on, take this journey with me. What is self-discipline? Number one, self-discipline is the ability to make yourself do the thing you have to do when it ought to be done, whether you like it or not. That's a good definition. I'll give it to you again. Self-discipline is the ability to make yourself do the thing you have to do when it ought to be done, whether you like it or not. Number two, self-discipline is the strength to not do the things you want to do that contradict godly values and hinder you from fulfilling your destiny. Now, remember, the first definition had to do with doing what you should do. This definition has to do with the strength to not do the thing you want to do that contradicts godly values and hinder you from fulfilling your destiny. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm in good company because the Apostle Paul said there were some things in Romans chapter 7 that he wanted to do, his flesh wanted to do, but he knew he shouldn't do those things. And in my past, I'll be transparent with you, there are things that I wanted to do, things that my flesh wanted to do that I should not do because those things would have contradicted my godly values and those things would have hindered me from fulfilling my destiny. So there are things that we should do when we should do them, whether we like it or not. And then self-discipline has to do with not doing some things that we want to do that will contradict our godly values and hinder us from fulfilling our destiny. And then the third definition of self-discipline is self-discipline is the ability to resist impulses, the ability to resist impulses, maintain focus, and see projects through to completion. Self-discipline is the ability to resist 
impulses, maintain focus, and see projects through to completion. Three great definitions that gives us that give us different sides, different facets, shades of meaning. I'm reminded of something that John Maxwell said. He said, success depends not merely on how well you do things you enjoy, but how conscientiously you perform those duties you don't. How conscientiously do you perform duties that you don't want to do? We're talking about self-discipline. This is critical. Self-discipline is critical to the longevity of your career as a leader. And I'm convinced that you don't want to be a shining star. No, you want to have a long successful and prosperous leadership stewardship. And leadership is a stewardship, but it's going to require self-discipline. This part challenged me, and I'm trusting that it's going to challenge you. Now, there are two character, character traits of the self-disciplined leader. And you are the self-disciplined leader. Come on, say that. I am the self-disciplined leader. Come on, say it one more time. I am a self-disciplined leader. The two character traits of the self-disciplined leader. Number one, self-disciplined leaders embrace the concept of commitment. Self-disciplined leaders embrace the concept of commitment. Secondly, the second characteristic of a self-disciplined leader is that a self-disciplined leader, they are not easily distracted. self Disciplined leaders are not easily distracted. So let's separate these two character traits and talk about commitment the rest of the way in this episode. And then in our next episode, we'll talk about distractions. Self-disciplined leaders are not easily distracted. We'll talk about that in our next episode. But let's talk about let's talk about commitment. Let's talk about commitment. Moral failure is one type of failure. More moral failure is nothing more than the outward manifestation of a lack of commitment to leading yourself. Did you get that? More failure is a manifestation. When you hear about someone who has failed morally or ethically, I talked about the U.S. congressman, this moral failure or ethical failure 
is nothing more than a manifestation of a lack of commitment to leading oneself. Now, commitment. Commitment. What is commitment? Commitment is the state of being bound emotionally or intellectually or spiritually to some course of action. Commitment. Self-disciplined leaders embrace the concept of commitment. Come on, say, I am a self-disciplined leader. Come on, say it one more time. I am a self-disciplined leader. And self-disciplined leaders embrace the concept of commitment. Again, what is commitment? Commitment is the state of being bound emotionally, intellectually, or spiritually to some course of action. Legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers, Vince Lombardi, is widely quoted, widely quoted as saying, the quality of a person's life is in direct proportion to their commitment to excellence. Wow, that's good. So I have derived a statement from our definition and from Vince Lombardi's quote. When you commit to a goal, you are making a firm decision to do it or achieve it. When you commit to a goal, you are making a firm decision. Come on, say firm decision. When you commit to a goal, you are making a firm decision to do it or achieve it. Now, because we're talking about leadership, and I believe you're a great leader, then you should be committed, committed, to developing your leadership capacity. Committed to developing your leadership capacity. Say this after me. I am committed to becoming a great leader. Say that again. I am committed to becoming a great leader. So I'll say this, I am committed to developing my leadership capacity. Say that after me. I am committed to developing my leadership capacity. When you commit to a goal, you are making a firm decision. The Latin root of the word decision is to cut away from the Latin root. Remember now, when you make, when you commit to something, you're making a firm decision. The Latin root for decision is 
to cut away from. So when you commit, what you're really doing is you're cutting away all other options. You're cutting away all excuses. Commit is a firm decision. The Latin root of the word decision means to cut away from. So when you commit, then you're cutting away all other options. You're cutting away all excuses. Here's a, a classic historical example of, of what I've just explained to you about cutting away all options. In 1541, Hernando Cortes invaded the Mayans in southwest Mexico. As they climbed the mountains toward the Mayan villages, the soldiers looked back and they saw smoke on the beach. Cortes had instructed the few remaining soldiers on the beach to burn the ships. In burning the ships, he reduced the possibility of turning back. And eventually, they won the battles. Cortes instructed the few remaining soldiers on the beach, when we get to the mountains, I want you to burn the ships. Think about that, burning the ships. Have you burned the ships? If you're going to be a great leader, you, you're going to have to burn some ships. If you're going to develop your leadership capacity, you're going to have to cut away all the other options and you got to cut away all the excuses. Well, I'm just too busy and, and I got a lot on my plate and, and I don't have time. Listen, listen, if you're going to develop your leadership capacity, then you're going to have to be self-disciplined. You're going to have to make firm decisions and you're going to have to cut away all options and you're going to have to cut away all excuses. So let's allow me to give you some statements. And I want you to think with me some statements about self-discipline. And we're talking specifically in this episode about commitment. So let, let's, let's talk about this self-discipline thing as it relates to commitment. Self-discipline is not an event, but a process. Let's settle on that for a moment. Self-discipline is not an event. Self-discipline is a process. Now, listen at this. Self-discipline requires commitment. A commitment is a continuous process of choosing delayed gratification over instant little rewards. That's a mouthful. I said, that is a mouthful. Mike, will you say that again? I definitely will say it again. 
Self-discipline requires commitment, and commitment is a continuous process of choosing delayed gratification over instant little rewards. Wow. You're going to be constantly choosing in your destiny journey. You're going to be constantly making choices in your leadership journey. And you're going to be choosing delayed gratification over instant rewards. Delayed gratification over instant rewards. I'll apply this in a leadership context for you for a moment. Jesus Christ the greatest leader to ever walk the earth understood the principle of commitment. He understood that it was a continuous process of choosing delayed gratification over instant rewards. And we see evidence of it in the context of preparation versus action. Preparation versus action. Now, you and I, most of us, and I lift up my hand, we want to choose action first. Yeah, I want, I want to choose action first. And whether you will admit it now, you want to choose action over preparation. That is a problem. That's why oftentimes we enter into arenas that we are not qualified for, and ultimately we disqualify ourselves because of a lack of preparation. Preparation Action. Preparation. Action. So Jesus now, for the first 29 years of his life, from childhood all the way up to age 29, was preparation. He began his ministry at the age of 30. And for Three years after being prepared for 29, he changed the world in three years. Above 2,000 years after his death, we are still being impacted by his leadership. But during those 29 years, childhood, teenage years, young adult years, he chose preparation. He chose delayed gratification. What if Jesus at age 20 or age 18 or age 23 had chosen, I'm going to do my thing. I'm just going to do my thing. What if at the age of 12, we see him in the temple, and we're going to get into that. I, I, I'm doing a series. I'm preparing a series now entitled Leaders Have Big Ears. 
great leaders have big ears. And it, the theme of it is listening. And if you read the text in, in Luke chapter 2, Jesus, while they're just standing up telling the religious leaders what to do at the age of 12, the Bible says he was sitting, and the first thing it says, he was listening and asking questions. And then it says they were astonished at his understanding. So we know that he had an appreciation for his call to leadership. But at 12, he went back home to his parents, and the Bible said he submitted to them. It was a season of preparation. It was not time for him to enter into leadership. But it requires discipline. It requires a commitment to self-discipline because when you have talents and you have gifts, it's easy to move out. Even when you have a calling, it's easy to move out. But we have to always understand that preparation always precedes action. Preparation, action, preparation, action. And it takes discipline, self-discipline to spend the time to prepare yourself for the time when you will be acting. Now, here's another statement about self-discipline. Self-discipline is shifting your attitude from an event-oriented mindset to a process-oriented mindset. And I'm going to give you some examples of that in a moment. Now, listen at this. Self-discipline is shifting your attitude, shifting. I, I call it a paradigm shift. It's shifting. Self-discipline is shifting your attitude from an event-oriented mindset. Event, we can just want to hit a home run. Uh, we don't want to run the bases. We don't want to hit singles. and We want a home run. It's an event-oriented mentality rather than a process-oriented mentality. And I'm saying we need to shift our attitude. Now, I'm going to give you uh, three examples, quick examples in closing. We're talking about commitment. Self-disciplined leaders... Embrace the concept of commitment, commitment, commitment. Now listen at this. Three different examples in different, three different areas. If you want to go on a diet and lose weight, that's your goal, then you're going to have to be committed to that. You're going to have to be committed to it. If you want to lose weight, then you're going to have to commit to losing weight. Now watch this. If you want to go on a diet and lose weight, rather than looking for a magic pill, make the commitment to permanently change your nutritional habits. That would involve eating habits, eating healthy, 
consistently exercising the rest of your life. So you can choose a magic pill because most people want a magic pill. They don't want to exercise. They, they don't want to eat healthy. They want a magic pill. I'm saying that you have to shift from an event-oriented mentality to a process mentality. And the real key process to losing the weight and maintaining it is commit to permanently changing your nutritional habits. Let's look at another example. In business, let's say you're a business person or you have aspirations of owning your business. And let's say you started in business or maybe you've been in business for a while, but you, you really want this breakthrough. Now, listen at this. In business, instead of looking for money-making schemes, and there's the temptation. I want to hit the whole run. A money-making scheme to give you quick income, decide to commit to providing value to your clients, to your customers, day in and day out. This is good stuff now. Let's, uh, let's go over this example again. If you're in business, instead of looking for money-making schemes to give you quick income, decide to commit. We're talking about commitment. Decide to commit to providing value to your customers, value to your clients, day in, day out. That's a process. Commitment. Let's look at a final definition, a final example, and here I want to speak to uh, my pastors my pastor friends, brothers and sisters that are pastoring, ministerial leaders, and that's my background. I pastored for 42 years and eight months, so I know something about pastoring, and I've fallen into the trap that, that some of you may be in right now. Listen at this. In ministry, pastors, instead of looking for a silver bullet to grow your church, why not focus on educating yourself as a leader and begin to develop a team around you? Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I want a silver bullet. A silver bullet is a simple or seemingly magic solution to a complicated problem. That's what we want. And I know it. I know some of you want a magic bullet, a silver bullet, because I wanted one. I wanted one thing. Tell me, I didn't want to take no journey. I don't want no journey. Come on. No, no, no leadership journey. Tell me how to get my church to grow. I want, I, listen, I don't mind studying leadership, but I just don't have time for all that. I just don't have time for that. Give me, show me how to grow, grow my church. Just, just shut up all this leadership stuff and just show me how to grow my church. That's a silver bullet mentality. You want a, a you want something, a, a silver bullet. You want some magical solution to get your church to grow. But watch this. Sometimes we pray for things that we're not ready for not realizing that God is a good steward of his people. God is not going to send you a bunch of people. You need to just stop praying. God is not going to send you a bunch of people. 
if you're not prepared to leading those people. If you don't have a team around you that's going to help you to lead those people, then God send you hundreds or thousands of people and they're going to fall through the crack because you don't have the infrastructure to, to, to contain what God has blessed you with. And because God knows you're not ready, knows you want a silver bullet, he knows you want a formula to grow your church, he's not going to send thousands of people to your church and you're not prepared because he's a good steward of his people. Wow. Now, as I close, I want to ask you some questions. In this episode, we focus in on self-discipline as it relates to commitment. Did anything stand out? Was there one thing you heard in this episode that stood out? Was there, was there an Aha moment. Was there a revelation? You saw something maybe in a different way, or you you understood something you didn't understand before. Was there a confirming word? Was there something you're doing right, you're on the right direction, and God confirmed it through this episode? And then finally, how are you going to act on it? How are you going to apply it? Is there anything you can apply to your life? Is there anything you need to change? Is there any principle you can teach someone else? Listen, I got to go. My time is up. Remember the next episode, we're going to talk about distractions because self-disciplined leaders are not easily distracted. Listen, thank you so very much for taking the journey with me. I look forward to seeing you in our next episode.